imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Lead Hership Global. We're so glad to have you join us on this week's podcast. And I got to tell you, we have an extra special guest with us today, Karen Sommer. She is the founder and CEO of Karen Sommers and Company, an award-winning producer, director, writer, and filmmaker. And today, Karen is going to be talking to us about bringing your brand to life through authentic storytelling. It's just going to be an incredibly inspiring time with Karen. And, you know, in today's fast-paced, overly automated, digitally driven society, humanity is becoming sort of the new premium. The internet constantly rewards us with convenience and instant gratification, making the human touch increasingly more scarce and more coveted. So in this environment, businesses can no longer afford to be sort of faceless entities. To survive, businesses need to connect with the audience. They need to pull at their heartstrings and engage them on a much deeper level than what we've seen before. And that's where brand storytelling comes into play. Brand storytelling is sort of the cohesive narrative that weaves together the facts and the emotions that your brand evokes. In addition to giving your customers the reasons why they should buy a product or service, businesses need to start sharing the story behind their brand, why it exists and why it matters, and tell that story consistently across all communication channels. Today, Karen Summers, an award-winning producer, director, writer, filmmaker, will tell you all the secrets to bringing your brand to life through authentic brand storytelling. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Karen and why I'm so excited to have her on the program today. As I said, she is an award-winning executive producer, director, and writer who also happens to be a director of photography and a camera operator. Her boutique production company, Karen Sommers and Company, is a media company in LA that works around the world creating documentary specials, popular feature films, television series, inspiring branded content, and commercials, all on behalf of clients that include Hollywood studios, broadcasters, government agencies, social impact organizations, and Fortune 500 companies. Her extensive production and post experience creating cinematic stories globally has fostered a large network of trusted production and post talent that she utilizes on many of her company's assignments. Karen serves as the co-chair of the National Education Committee for the Producers Guild of America, as well as the Bylaws Committee for the Television Academy and Documentary Peer Group. She's also a proud member of the International Cinematographers Union. Help me welcome Karen Sommers. Well, my goodness, I don't think I need to say another word. I, I think the show's done. We're good. <laughs> Thank you so much. 
You are so welcome. And I'm so excited to welcome you to the program today. So thank you so much for joining us. Now, to kick us off, tell us a little bit about your journey, how you began crafting and cultivating branded storytelling, and how you begin to partner with marketing teams of major brands around the world to help them tell their story. Thank you so much, Linda. Um, you know, I, I'm so grateful to be here with Leadership Global. You've really created an amazing platform here. I am a big booster of women. I love to support. I think it's critical at this point in time to um, help uh, our fellow women rise. If you help one woman rise, she brings the rest of her community with her. So this is really a lovely place for us all to meet and talk about what it is that we do so we can help each other. So I love that. Um, I started uh, back in the day as an actor and I worked for quite a long time. I would toggle back and forth between New York and Toronto. And uh, I would look at the directors and producers on set when I was working and and really just, I, I loved the autonomy of those roles. And not long after, I'm a Canadian, sort of a, I'm a global citizen. Uh, I'm an American by choice. I am a Canadian by birth. And I'm also a UK citizen uh, by uh, inheritance, I guess it is. And uh, when I moved to the United States uh, back in the day with husband number one, um, who is was a, a film critic, um, you know, I made that jump from acting into production. And I, I couldn't, I've never looked back. I've absolutely loved it. And what that has led to is probably doing every job on the set, um, being involved in just about every genre of cinematic storytelling you could imagine. And um, I'm also uh, a photographer, believe it or not. I do a lot of photography for the studios in addition to the cinematic storytelling that I do as a doc filmmaker and branded content commercial filmmaker. Um, what I find so inspiring about what I do is this whole thing that you were talking about uh, when it comes to authentic storytelling. Typically what my company and myself do um, when we are starting to work with a new client, whether that's, um, you know, we've been working with the studios for a long time. Disney uh, is, a, is a great example, actually, of a company that, that takes authentic branded storytelling and uh, uses it to speak to the world about who they are and what they represent. Um, so our company will, will partner um, with our clients and do a lot of research, you know, in terms of who are, who is their base? Who are they, who do they want to appeal to? Um, who do they want to attract? And what is it about their particular product that inherently attracts those customers. And that takes a little while. Um, and often is not. It, it happens as we film. Because we do content that's documentary driven, we are often is not um, shooting with real people in the field. Um, for example, I have a, a client uh, based out of New York that is um, a medical school. And they're quite a large medical school. And we've been working with them for several years now. And it's been really such a joyful process because we've done interviews extensively with um, their student body, their the teachers, the professors, um, leadership, um, and students that are aspiring to enter their ranks as medical students. And it was incredibly telling 
um, in many respects when we first started doing these interviews, what it was that appealed to the students and maybe what at that time the marketing team thought would be appealing. And sometimes those narratives, um, while they might be close, they might not be as authentic as they could be. And that sweet spot is the hit and miss, I think, in marketing. And typically what my company does, particularly at this time, is that we're filling this really unique gap um, because the, the demand for content when it comes to marketing for a company is substantial. You know, uh, as, as anybody in marketing knows at this point, the preponderance of content that your team has to generate uh, is staggering really, because there's so many platforms that you need to fulfill. And you need to, with each platform, you also need to figure out, you know, what's going to be the most effective storytelling that we can address uh, so that people will actually uh, watch our content. Because, um, Linda, as you pointed out, you know, we have, we live in an age where human attention is now monetized. I mean, in Hollywood, I think we've, we've known this for decades because of the shows that we create. Um, but really when it comes down to it now with social media, the monetization of, of human attention is a very big deal. And in my opinion, it needs to be dealt with very carefully. And um, people know at this point, uh, consumers are, are really getting quite sophisticated about authenticity when it comes to brands. And they want to partner in their minds and in their hearts. They want to feel like the brands that they use represent them holistically as humans. So what can a brand do? What can I do when I partner with a, with a, a, a company to to set up that interaction initially, and then to set up that lifelong partnership between a consumer and a brand. Um, and I also fill a gap when it comes to the enormous amount of content that needs to be generated by a marketing team, because uh, typically, I think what many companies have found is that creating that level of content is incredibly expensive. And so larger brands like the Nikes of the world, uh, Google, uh, Apple have in-house teams, um, media teams that shoot a lot of content. But those teams tend to specialize in a very specific kind of media generation as well. Those companies still have to go out and partner with companies like myself or agencies um, and we will partner as well, not only with directly with a company, but we also partner with agencies. Um, the rise of the digital agency has really lent itself to uh, companies partnering with production houses like myself so that they can save uh, really quite a bit of money when it comes to uh, creating enormous amounts of content and yet being able to be serviced with a digital agency that that helps them to distribute this content and then monitor it in a really effective fashion. And so that's where we come in and we end up partnering. I just I just did a quite a large campaign that we shot during COVID in New York. And we worked with one of Hearst's uh, agencies called iCrossing. And that that partnership was was really lovely because 
we were able to really speak to storytelling in a meaningful manner um, and shoot it. Most importantly, shoot it. And we were working with doctors. Our subjects were working doctors at this point. And, and that does bring in another thing to consider for companies is uh, having a little bit of a buffer when it comes to um, insurance. It sounds like a silly thing, but when it comes to production, there's still liability issues that come up. You know, my company rented a, uh, a essentially had to provide insurance for a 25 floor uh, building in lower Manhattan. And, uh, and then we insured an entire medical facility to do what we needed to do. And, and to go down that road, even from a logistical standpoint for many businesses, it takes an enormous amount of time and attention and expertise to make sure that all of your, all of your bases are covered. So that's where, that's where companies like myself come in. We not only take care of all the storytelling along those lines and lend that authenticity of storytelling to a marketing team who don't typically don't know production and don't know how to pull that off. Um, but we also, we're sort of a safety net as well. From a uh, from that standpoint, with production, yeah, and 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 I think that's a really comprehensive way to think about authentic storytelling from a branded perspective. So thank you, Karen. And as you noted, it's an incredibly crowded marketplace out there. There are tens of millions of pieces of content being created every single week, and even more being shared every single day. Businesses are spending billions of dollars worldwide fighting for just seconds of attention from audiences that are being literally bombarded with similar messaging from every corner, from social media, from the internet, from television, from uh, theater. And the internet has democratized marketing by making it accessible. But in the midst of this, it's also made it very difficult for quality brands to stand out so how can you make a brand be truly unforgettable to really be able to stand out from the competition and the millions of pieces of content being created every single day? I, you know, I think there's, there's, so, there's no one magic bullet, as it were, to that answer. There, there just isn't because each brand stands for um, a certain aesthetic, if you want to say that, you know, there's going to be Nike stands for a very specific kind of storytelling, which we all know, you know, the just do it phenomenon of Nike has really resonated with so many people. And, and as well, you know, there are other brands that might want to leverage a lot more humor um, when it comes to what their offering is. It could be uh, snack food products. Uh, it could be beer. There's a lot of different ways to, to tell those stories. And, and, you know, marketing, I think marketing teams are very good at doing the kind of case studies that are necessary um, to attracting that customer. But when it comes to telling the story itself cinematically, that's where we step in and start um, really working with the team to come up with storylines and come up with 
the most effective way to do this. And, and it's not just authenticity of story and is it humorous or is it more heartfelt? Um, that again, it, 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 it depends on the brand, but it's also attention span. Um, I've seen increasingly with branded content that we now are serving sort of many different masters when it comes to this. I'm doing longer form pieces. I just finished doing an eight minute piece for uh, like a docu piece for uh, a brand. And and it, it was because they needed more of a robust uh, storytelling to go on about a specific aspect of their business that needed to be addressed. And yet, on the other hand, we're doing 15-second spots, again, very docu-driven with real people in it. But you'll have, um, because many people are not listening to audio on Instagram, things like this, because they're at work or wherever, um, a lot of our stuff will be these shorter, much shorter pieces that are graphics-driven. And that is very much about making impressions like that, that will lead somebody down potentially, ideally down the rabbit hole of further exploration. And those 15 second spots can be even more challenging in many respects than the longer 30 second, one minute, eight minute pieces that we also do. And, and again, that, that depends on where, the storytelling is lying. So when I talk about cinematic storytelling, it's so important, the image that you're creating on behalf of the brand, what is that? What does that look like? Is it animation? Is it a real person? Is it an actor? Those are all sort of pieces of that puzzle that you and that we rather and our clients kind of drill down to. Um, so yeah, so it's hard to say what the, what that magic answer is. Yeah. You know, you, you touched on something though, that I think is so important for a brand to really take off. It needs to be so much more than just a product or service. And of course that's where storytelling comes in. So how can a brand use their story to create a deep emotional connection, to start a conversation, to ask for engagement without any strings attached, to involve their audience in what they do as a business and to turn their brand really into an experience? So how can storytelling help create that more engaged connection with a brand? You know, I, I I think we're we're talking about it here by way of that emotional connection, right? An emotional connection only ever happens um, when people recognize uh, something that is familiar to them that speaks to their heart. And um, we see a lot of brands now that are very adept at it. Uh, McDonald's does it; they're very adept at it. Um, as I said, Nike, Disney is probably the queen at all of this um, because it's a it's an integrated approach. You know, the studios are very very good at um, having their tentpole productions, longer movies and series work, um, but they're they take that storytelling and from a marketing standpoint, like I'm I'm just about to start uh, doing sort of the marketing pieces. Uh, with effects uh, Disney uh, this in this these coming months working on storytelling behind the scenes 
on uh, a series called American Crime Story, uh, impeachment. And, the, and in this case, it is the story of um, uh, Monica Lewinsky and uh, President Clinton's um, uh, time in the in the White House. And and it's a very difficult story. It's a complex story. And and my job as a filmmaker is is really helping to add the documentary real story pieces to a scripted tentpole piece and really address a, an entire generation who does not know about that impeachment process, that impeachment story, and even more importantly, Monica Lewinsky's side of that story. Um, it's a tough story. And in the Me Too movement period that we are in right now that I hope goes on forever and a day, um, that's a story that's complex to tell. Um, and, and that's going to be part of my job doing shorter story pieces, um, with real people, um, telling that behind the scenes, uh, docu approach to, to the tentpole series. So you go from that then to working with clients, um, uh, like the medical school that I've been working with and, and creating storytelling so that, for example, with their medical students, um, they understand the process of how to become a doctor. It's, it was shocking to me when I first started working with them how little medical students seem to understand the process of actually becoming a doctor. They understood the process of getting into medical school, but what medical school was really like and and the process that they needed to go through to become the best physicians that they could and to uh, get the residencies that they wanted and so on and so forth. That was a little bit of a mystery. So part of our job there was to break down what that what that meant. What what does it mean uh, to I mean, it's a given that you will become a medical student. If, you're, if your heart lies there, 10 to 1, you will get that job done. But what does that mean to become a physician through the context of med school and being successful in that? Um, so all of, all of those things, I mean, those are wildly different storytelling widgets. But um, with, in both cases, there is going to be very short content 15 second pieces and longer form content that people will drill into. And it's going to be the short pieces. I am betting the 15 second Instagram, Twitter pieces um, that are going to draw people and draw their attention into the longer form storytelling. Because I mean, you, you, I, I think marketing teams have to be very clear that you're, you don't want to appeal to everybody. We live in a very niche based um, society at this point. And that's okay. There's a lot of us. There's a lot of consumers. So the more you can niche down and not try to appeal to everybody, um, the more I've seen brands really flourish because you want to speak to consumers that will naturally be attracted to your brand. You know they're out there. So how do you do that? And it's niching down with your storytelling. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, one of the things that you just mentioned there is the importance of that emotional connection, whether it's a 15 second piece or it's an eight minute piece. It's about creating that emotional connection with your audience. And that emotional connection can help a brand start a conversation, ask for some level of engagement 
or involve their audience in some way to turn that brand into an experience. And we know that a brand story can do so much more than just connect you to your ideal audience, get you noticed in the noise of your competitors' messaging and drive profits. It also has the potential to create really major impact. So how can you make your brand more human and connect your audience to your mission in a way that really has long-lasting societal impact by creating a movement for your brand in society? Well, I mean, it all comes down to the call to action, right? And and what is that? For your brand, what is the call to action? And there's a, I think brands do a lot of different things when it comes to that call to action. It's not just click here and buy this, in my opinion. It's click here, find out more. How can you be involved in our community? How can we continue a conversation with our within our community? Um, and I and I think that there's a, you know, Patagonia is great at this. Patagonia has created a, a really incredible community of people that are environmentalists, that are athletes, that are activists in their own right, that have a very specific perspective on how they want to live their lives. And, and I think every single brand um, has that potential. And, you know, whether, whether you're selling car parts or whether you're, you're selling running shoes or an education or um, entertainment, there is something in your brand that will speak to that person and that call to action might be something that you have to experiment with a little bit. But within the content and the storytelling that you're doing, being specific about action, I think, motivates humans beyond anything. Everybody loves a good call to action, and it does have to be inspiring, and it does have to involve community, particularly now. You know, during we've all we've all been uh, schooled, I think, during COVID in terms of the importance of connectivity to our friends, our family, our community, and to the world at large. And those calls to action can be critical to building a base of like-minded folks um, and, and extending that base in a way that goes global over the long run. Yeah, and you mentioned a couple of brands that do that really well, like Patagonia. And I think of Airbnb, I think of Good Life Fitness, I think of Minnetonka, uh, Warby Parker, Burt's Bees, these companies are all often cited for really understanding branded storytelling and doing it in an authentic way that really represents each of those individual brands uniquely. Airbnb is now about, um, you know, this idea of adventure um, and this idea of stepping into someone else's shoes um, and I think that that's really unique to Airbnb. Warby Parker is, is stands for something, again, unique to that particular brand. So who else do you think is doing a great job with branded storytelling? You mentioned Patagonia. You've mentioned Disney. I think Airbnb, Good Life Fitness, Minnetonka, Warby Partner, um, Burt's Bees are doing an outstanding job too. Is there someone else that you can think of that you would point to and say, pay attention to them? Well, you know, media companies are always where I'm looking at. I, I love to see what media companies are up to because they're always extending their reach. Um, 
consumer products, of course, but consumer products are always reaching into the toolkit of media companies. And then media companies, conversely, Disney, again, is a great example. Um, any of the large studios make consumer products. You know, Mattel has partnered with Disney for many, many years. Um, I worked it when I first uh, moved to Los Angeles. I worked in the in a, what was then a very small con consumer uh, products division. There was maybe 30 people in the division. Now there's hundreds. Um, and they partnered with different um, consumer brands like the Mattels of the world to create unique um, story, story driven consumer products. Uh, in this case, it was a lot of it was for kids, um, but it was specifically designed to tell a very certain kind of story about a specific kind of consumer. And I think with media companies, the more that, you know, marketing teams look at magazines are a great, you know, a, a great thing to look at because you have the larger companies like the Hearsts of the world that have multiple magazines under their belt. And when you look at what the magazines are doing, which are now fully digitized, I can read all of my magazines um, via my Apple platform. Um, when you look at the partnerships that are being created between the community that's created in magazines. One of my favorites is Domino, which you know I'm a I, I am a um, I absolutely love uh, flipping and the flipping business and uh, remodeling. And uh, I'm a little pathological when it comes to reading design magazines, but Domino is one of my favorites because. Domino's positioned itself as a brand in terms of speaking to uh, people like myself that have a little bit of know-how, uh, want to do a certain amount of remodeling themselves, and yet have the ability to bring in uh, experts to uh, finish you know, what it is that they've, they've started, but they still want to have a hand in it. And Domino's very, uh, very, very clear about this. Um, and what they do from a digital standpoint is they're partnering up with all of these brands from furniture makers to hotels. Uh, they're very specific about this sort of lifestyle that consumers like myself find very appealing. And, and that the entirety of that experience, when you jump into their magazine, um, you're stepping into a home. In, in their own specially designed fashion. And each room not only is editorial, but each room also offers sort of accessories that are their advertisers. And I think when you start looking at storytelling along those lines, I, I think that that's something that we're, we're all gonna be doing from a brand standpoint, more and more and more. I think brands partnering um, from an editorial standpoint and being included in that building uh, of experience uh, is going to be critical to the success of many brands, especially in this digital age. Because I just click on restoration hardware, for example, in Architectural Digest or any of the design magazines that I'm in. I just click on their ad now and I'm jettisoned into the world of restoration hardware, and it takes my breath away. I remember the good old days of ripping out pages from my design magazines, and when I'm on an airplane, and bringing them all home, and having to, you know, then jump online and look at all the offerings. You don't have to do that anymore. So I think that that's a, a really interesting, fascinating 
uh, exercise in connectivity. Um, and, and that's, that's advertising, um, editorialized, uh, sort of on your behalf, um, as, as a brand, I, I find that connection really fascinating. Yeah. So Karen, one last question for you, you know, you've had an incredible career. You've, um, been able to build such a remarkable reputation in Hollywood, in LA, all over the world for being an award-winning filmmaker. And certainly along the line, you've received some impactful advice, uh, leadership advice. So what's the most uh, meaningful, impactful leadership advice that you've ever received that you'd like to pass on to our listeners today? Thank you. There, there's so many great pieces of advice out there, but I think right now at this particular point in time, I, I have a quote actually that's by one of my favorite writers, a woman called Glennon Doyle, and she's an author of a wonderful book called The Love Warrior. Um, she's also an activist. She has a wonderful nonprofit called Together Rising, and it is very much about um, supporting women as they rise, knowing that the rest of that woman's community is, is following up behind her. And she wrote this wonderful article um, a while back, and it really caught my attention. And, and what she said in this was, don't knock the valleys. Everyone wants to be on the mountaintop, but up there, the air is so thin, you can hardly breathe. And all you can do is stand still and try not to fall. But in the valley, that's where the river runs. That's where the power is. Sit, breathe. When we rush out of the valley, we miss gathering all the wisdom, strength, and kindness we need for the next climb. We have to learn to sit by the river and be still enough to claim its gifts. And I think that for all of us that are you know, on that climb continuously in our, in our lives, in our careers, there are going to be valleys. If you are going to stick your neck out, there are going to be plenty of times that you're going to fall. And that willingness to fall, but pick yourself back up again, is not only going to create the myelin in your brain and turn you into the genius that you know lies right in you, but that willingness to sit in the valley is critical to learning more about ourselves and having the empathy for our teams as well when they do the rise and fall on your behalf. So I think that's, that's sort of what I've got to offer today. Oh, that's so beautiful. And tell us again, the name of that book in case anyone wants to pick it up. Uh, so the author of that is a woman called Glennon Doyle. Um, she wrote, she's written several books, one of which was The Love Warrior, which was actually on Oprah's book list. Um, but this was an article that was in, I believe it was in Oprah's magazine, and, and Glennon was having a particularly uh, low experience in her life. And she told the story of being at a grocery store in her pajamas, having not bathed for probably a week or two. And there was um, an older lady that was standing in line with her at the grocery store, who recognized that Glennon was struggling and they, they had a quick exchange. And this, this older lady leaned in and said exactly these words to her. And that picked Glennon up to a point that she could start to make the rise again. That is beautiful and so powerful. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today, Karen, as well as 
all of your wisdom, all of your insight, all of your guidance. I am so grateful for your time today. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to hear more from, from us as well, we've just started doing, my partner, Shirley Jackson and I have just started to do a podcast to support the rise of women in the entertainment community. And uh, we, we would love nothing better for folks to come and join us as well on our podcast, Give Her a Microphone, because we believe that every woman in the world, should she have the chance to be given a microphone, will have the most interesting things to say. I love that. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power, and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today as women and as leaders. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.